As you sit, if you don't mind moving towards the center, uh, we're running out of seats a little bit, that would really be helpful. So if you have a seat next to you, if you could move towards the center, we'd appreciate that. Sorry, didn't catch you quite fast enough. Good morning, by the way. Good morning, good morning, good morning. There we go. Hey, thank you guys so much for doing that. Hope everyone's nice and cozy. You know, as Jeremy said, fall's coming, so maybe we can warm each other up. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Ricker. I help out with the Sunday service teams here at Church in the Valley as well as some of our groups. Um, and today, we're going to be continuing with the message series, Been There, Done That. And in this series, we're looking at Hebrews 4, 15, and 16, and how Jesus actually had to deal with the same temptations, the same struggles that we do. And because of that, because Jesus went through that, he can genuinely, genuinely say to us, I've been there, I've done that. And with that, he has the empathy to be able to help us through those struggles, through those temptations. Well, today we're going to be looking specifically at the issue of busyness. So let me ask you a question. Who had a busy week? Okay, just about. Did anyone not have a busy week? Hey, yeah, good job. <laughs> You know, most of the time, no one would be willing to admit that. Um, you know, how many of you think this next week's going to be a busy week? Yeah. So, busyness is just rampant through our culture. It's a part of our everyday lives. You know, how often do you find yourself responding or hear other people respond to the question, how's it going, how was your weekend, with something about busyness? I mean, most that's, that's what we hear most of the time. Um, I know that specifically it's something I struggle with. In fact, I chose this topic to, to speak on specifically because I really wanted to learn how to do better with busyness, to really try to implement that life and be able to share that with others. It's a big part of our lives, busyness is. And it actually, it's kind of funny, it has this strange dichotomy in our, in our culture. You know, we generally understand that when we have tons and tons of stuff weighing down and crushing us, that that's not really a good thing. But at the same time, we kind of take a lot of pride in our busyness. You know, we, ne- we never want to say I'm not busy when someone else is saying that they're busy just because there's so much uh, cultural impact that comes with that. We really have a love-hate relationship with busyness. We love the idea of being busy, that that could potentially mean that we're being productive. At the same time, we tend not to like when we feel oppressed and exhausted by having so much to do. Well, having a lot to do, being busy, it's not a new struggle for us. It's not something that we're experiencing for the first time over the last hundred years. But it's something that people have experienced across time. Um, you know, many have come before us that have done that. And it's something that Jesus actually experienced as well in his life. And we can be thankful for that because that means he can really help us in a special way. So let's start by looking at Hebrews four fifteen and 16. It says, for we do not have a high priest, and in that it's talking about Jesus, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Jesus had the same temptations we do, and because of this, we can approach him knowing that we can refine, we can find mercy from him and help in dealing with this problem. Now, I don't know about you, but 
busy isn't typically a category that I assign to Jesus. It's just not a way that I typically think of Jesus. Um, you know, he doesn't in the Bible come off as being super busy. And he doesn't show, show kind of the telltale signs of what it looks like to be busy. But when you start really looking at his life and the things that he was doing, you find out that he actually was a very busy man. So to help us understand um, what a regular day seemed like for Jesus, uh, I want us to do a little imagining. I know that's kind of scary for some people, but I want you to do a little imagining. I want you to go ahead and look around at everyone in the room. Just take a second, look around, look at everyone in the room. Get a picture of how many people are here. Now, I want you to imagine that you're in the center and everyone else wants to talk to you. And some of them want to talk to you at the exact same time. They really want to hear what you have to say. Some of them are just trying to grab your, your shirt sleeve because, you know, they, they think that they might find some healing from that. That was a typical day for Jesus. He had people around him all the time. In fact, I'm gonna, we're going to have a picture up here. Um, it's... Well, unfortunately, it's a very fuzzy picture, but that's 200 people. Now, imagine being in the center of those 200 people, and they all want you. They all want to talk to you. They all want to hear from you. That's what Jesus' day has looked like. I don't know about for you, but that would be a very long and exhausting, busy day for me. Um, And in fact, some of Jesus' days, he had far more than 200 people who were interested in him. Throughout his, throughout his ministry, Jesus constantly had people waiting to hear from him, you know, both day and night. And so to further illustrate this point, we're going to look at just a few instances in just one of the Gospels that show Jesus' days, how busy of a man he was. So let's start by looking at Mark 1, 32 through 34. It says, That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. Now we know cities probably weren't big as that as they are today back then, but just imagine an entire city coming to your door. That was one day. Mark 2, 1 through 4. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So they're keeping track of where he is. That's how much they want to know where. And when many were gathered together so that there was no more room even at the door. So many people, they can't even get to the door. This verse goes on to tell that some people were so desperate to get to him that they made a hole in the roof and ziplined people in so that they could see Jesus. Mark 3, 7 through 10. Jesus withdrew his disciples to the sea and the great crowd followed. So again, even when he tries to get away, the people come. And the verse goes on later. It says, when the great crowd heard all that he was doing... They came to him, and he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. When's the last time you had so many people trying to talk to you that you were actually legitimately concerned of being crushed? This is what Jesus did. This was the busyness of his day. So we often had tasks. People had, Jesus had people. Those were the people that were interested in getting with him. Mark 3.20, then he went home and the crowd gathered again so that he could not even eat. Again, can't even eat. There's so much to do. If we look at Mark 6.30-44, through 44, it tells the story about how Jesus took his disciples and tried to go to a desolate place. They basically tried to get around from the crowd. You know what happened? The crowd followed. And he had 5,000 men plus women and children, all who were around him. And then in Mark 8.1-9, through 9, Another instance where Jesus has 4,000 men plus women and children all coming around him. So this is just a very small picture of Jesus' life. Jesus constantly had people calling for his attention. He was a very, very busy man. 
You know, at one point, we actually see Jesus to a point of what I would consider exhaustion because he had so much going on. Jesus was teaching a crowd, and he instructed his disciples, let's get in a boat, we're going to go across the sea to the other side. And while they're in this boat going across the sea, this great storm arises um, and starts to batter the boat to the point that the disciples actually thought that they were all going to die. Now, what was Jesus doing in the midst of this? He was asleep in the back of the boat on a cushion because he was so tired. Like, that's how much Jesus had going on. Now, Jesus didn't just have these people around him who were really interested in hearing from him and really interested in being taught by him and being healed by him. He actually also had a lot of people around him who were really interested in destroying him. People who wanted to try to trick him, trap him with with his words so that they could bring up a case against him. So imagine that you not only have tasks that you need to do, but you have tasks that are actually trying to like hunt you down. Not something we normally deal with, but this is something that Jesus did in the busyness of his life. So what we see as we look throughout the Gospels is that Jesus had to pull late-nighters. Jesus had to work through meals. You know, he was busy just like we are. And we can be actually really thankful that that's the case. Because as Jesus had this experience, as we see in Hebrews 4, he can empathize with us and he can really help us through our busyness. And that's really good because the truth about busyness is that there's actually a lot of danger in living a very busy life. It's not something we tend to think about, but busyness has the possibility of really derailing our lives from the good things that God wants for us. So let's take a few minutes and let's go ahead and look at that. What are the dangers of busyness? Well, first of all, busyness can cause anxiety, resentment, impatience, irritability, It can really kill the joy of our lives. And joy is meant to be one of the marks of a Christian. If we look at Galatians 5.22, at the fruit of the Spirit, joy is one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit living in our lives. God has designed life in a way that we can really experience great joy even in difficult circumstances. He calls us away from anxiety, away from resentment and patience and irritability. But with the weight of tons of things on our shoulders... With the weight of busyness, we can actually become crushed down to where the, the joy in our lives is really squeezed out. You know, we can become just, you know, thinned by all that's going on in our lives to where those negative things are really just magnified. So there, there's actually this old episode of Seinfeld. If any of you guys know Seinfeld, one of the characters in it is George Costanza. He's kind of this lazy guy. And one day he's sitting around with his friends and he says basically... Yeah, I'm going to avoid work by pretending to be busy. And they said, well, how how can you pretend to be busy? He said, well, I just act like I'm really irritated all the time. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're right. Good job. <laughs> now, that's obviously a satirical look at it, but it actually says a lot about the truth of what's going on in our lives, that if you're just irritated all the time, people may think you're legitimately busy. So if we're not careful, busyness can cause these things in our lives. Secondly, busyness can mask itself as faithfulness and fruitfulness. Busyness, however, is not necessarily the same as faithfulness. It's not the same as fruitfulness. It's not the same as success. All busyness means is that you're busy. So you've got a lot going on. Now, God has called us to be faithful in each of the roles and each of the responsibilities that he's given us. And this legitimately may lead to us having lots and lots to do. Look at Jesus. He had lots and lots to do. But as we go through life, it's really easy 
to collect extra things that take up time, that take up energy, that we don't really need to be giving our lives to, that aren't really that worthwhile in the end. So as we're trying to do legitimate things, it's very easy to pull on other things as well. And then under the mask of faithfulness, busyness can strip us of our years like a thief. Till we've wasted our lives and we come to the end of it realizing that all that time really is counted for nothing. I mean, how maddening would that be to come to the end of your life and realize that everything that you thought you were accomplishing, that you weren't accomplishing any of it. We cannot confuse activity with productivity. So busyness really has the ability to mask itself. Another way of looking at the same thing is that busyness can actually cause us to miss the important things in life. God has really given us a finite amount of time in which to live. And in this time, there's actually a lot of really fun things and actually good things that we can choose to do. But there's also some great things that we can choose to do. Opportunities come and go, and often only for a season, so that if we miss an opportunity because we're too busy or because we don't see it as it comes up, we may miss that opportunity for all time. So when I, when I was in college, um, I was a part of Christian Challenge, which I know many of the students here are a part of. And at the time, which I believe still is the case, the group met on Thursday nights. Something else met on Thursday nights too. You know what it was? Fencing club. Now, I don't know how to fence, but man, would I love to know how to sword fight. I mean, that, for those of you who know me well, yeah, you just know. So, Thankfully, by the grace of God, it's not something I ever pursued, is that I made the choice that I was going to be a part of challenge. I was really going to invest there in people who really wanted to help me get to know God better and to really work in my life. Is fencing bad? By no means. It would have been a lot of fun. It would have been really good. But this was something, challenge was something that was there for a season. It was the season of college. And had I chosen fencing over that, I would have missed that opportunity, an opportunity which has so greatly blessed my life, I cannot even express it. It continues to this day to affect so much of what I do. And that's the reality of um, busyness, is that it can help, it can really cause us to miss the important things in life. Uh, you know, another example of this is the song Cats in the Cradle. Have you ever heard that song? It's actually a very sad, sad song. It's about this father who is super busy and his son who wants to spend time with him. And across the years, the son keeps going to his dad, wanting to spend time with his dad, wanting to spend time with his dad, but his dad is too busy and too busy and too busy. And finally, as the dad gets older, he suddenly realizes what's important and that he wants to spend time with his son. But that opportunity is gone. His son has been raised, and you know what? His son has turned out to be just like he is, too busy for time with his father. I don't know about you, but man, what a sad, sad, sad song. So busyness can hide the good things in life. It can hide the important things in life. It can also distract us from seeing the bad things in our lives. It can hide the deeper problems that are going on in our hearts as we give ourselves no time to think, no time to evaluate in what we're doing. When we are constantly giving ourselves to doing, 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 we miss miss out on what's going on deep within our hearts. So we may miss the underlying motives of why we're so busy. You know, perhaps we have this real desire for power, money, success. 
we may miss that what we're stuck in is a state of fear of man, where we're so concerned with what people think of us that we're always trying to please people by saying yes to everything. It may be that we miss that there's a great void in our lives because there's things that we haven't yet given over to God. So busyness has the power of keeping us so busy that we can't really look at our lives and see is there anything that we need to deal with. Finally, and perhaps most scary of all, is that busyness has the possibility of choking out the spiritual life within us. If we look at Mark 4, there's a point where Jesus, again, is speaking to a crowd and he's giving the parable of the sower. Basically, he's telling a story using an analogy of a farmer sowing seed to how about how people hear the word of God and how they respond to it. And so what he says is that some people hear the word of God, but Satan takes it away. So that seed has, that seed causes nothing to happen in their lives. Some receive the word and it, it starts to, has the chance to create change. But when problems arise because of the word, that change dies and leads to nothing. And then a third group hear the word and something begins to grow in their lives. You know, change begins to happen, but they're never able to make it to fruitfulness as it's choked out before that's ever possible. So let's look at Mark 4, 18 through 19 and see why. As others are the ones sown, and others are the ones sown among thorns, they are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in, choke out the word, and it proves unfruitful. These verses have a real dire warning for us. What can stop us from following God, from proclaiming his name? It actually can be the very quiet and subtle cares of the world when we are so busy with other stuff that we don't have time for God and we're suffocated from following him. I say it's quiet and subtle because these things aren't inherently wrong, but they can so easily take up a part of our lives. They're a part of everyday life. We can miss them, but they can begin to take up more and more and more of our lives to where we don't have any time for God. So we don't let the word of God dwell in us richly. We don't follow him. You know, it's not because we don't necessarily want to, but it's because we have a long commute and our water heater just broke and I need to mow the lawn. And frankly, we need to keep our house clean. You know, I'd like to keep my car clean because I'm in that every day. And, you know, I, I have people I follow on Instagram. I want to read their posts. My friends are talking about this show at work. I really want to watch that show. We want to get the highest grades. We want to be really successful in our jobs. None of these things, again, are inherently wrong. None of them are bad. And some of them we actually need to give time to and need to do well. But the problem is, is that when they consume our lives, when they demand for all of our time and attention, they can take up everything of us. They can derail our faith. Um, so that we have no time for God and our spiritual lives are slowly choked out and we are proved unfruitful. So these dangers of busyness are actually pretty grim. You know, wasting life because we're too busy for God, missing out on the great things as we constantly feel annoyed, vexed, exhausted, and disappointed with, disappointed with what's going on. You know, these aren't things that a life that anyone wants. Well, thankfully, as we saw before, Jesus understands what it's like to be busy, what it's like to have so much calling for your attention that it can't all possibly be taken care of. 
And we actually can have a great hope because if we look at the life of Jesus and his busyness, despite all that busyness, we see that he never falls into any of those dangers that we just looked at. He doesn't ever become anxious or distraught despite the many things calling for his time and attention. So let's change directions now and let's look at how did Jesus deal with busyness? What was his strategy for dealing with everything that was in front of him? And what, if we look at Mark 1, 32 through 39, what we find is that there's three things that Jesus commonly did. So let's look at that. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also. For that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching to their synagogues and casting out demons. So in looking at these verses, the first thing that we see Jesus do is that he stayed connected to God. In the midst of all the busyness, he stayed connected to God. Jesus made time to connect with God, to speak with him, and to hear from him. Now, I I don't know about you, but I have found at times where I feel so busy, I feel like I don't even have time to connect with God. You know, I can spend my entire day doing, doing, doing. I can get up, go to work, work through lunch, work until it's about time for my son to go to bed, come home, spend a few minutes with my son before he goes to bed, he goes to bed, and then work, work, work late into the night to where I'm going to bed just trying to get four to five hours of sleep before I get up and have to do it again. I can find myself in that situation. And during these times, I really struggle personally with the idea that I should step aside from all that I think I need to get done and make sure I get some time with God. But if we look back at the verse there, we see that Jesus actually was kind of in the same predicament. He was working into the night and then he got up extra early so that he could make sure and get time with God. And really what it comes down to is a perspective issue, understanding why even in great busyness, it is so important to make sure that we connect with God. Martin Luther addressed the same problem um, really well. He was asked one time, what are your plans for the day? And this was his response. Work, work from early until late. In fact, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Now, anyone ever done that? I haven't. (laughs) You know, it's for me, it's more like, can I squeeze in five minutes? That's typically my thought. But the problem is, Again, it's a perspective issue. What Martin Luther understood and what Jesus understands is that the power to face all that is before us comes from connecting with God. Again, the power to face all that is before us comes from connecting with God. And Martin Luther knew it so well that in times of extreme busyness, he made sure and got extra time with God. So a slight illustration of this point. In September, my wife and myself were really blessed to have the opportunity to go to Ireland for our anniversary. I think I have some pictures up here of um, Ireland. It's kind of hard to see, but it was really beautiful. Um, and we went to Killarney. That was one of the places we stayed at. It was right outside the Killarney National Forest. And on the first day that we were there, we decided to ride the Gap of Dunlow. 
And it's this really scenic area that you can go through where you really get to see the countryside beautiful. So researching this, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make sure, as you guys can tell, I'm a big guy. I wanted to make sure that I physically could do this because I didn't want to put us in a situation where we were miles and miles and miles out and uh, I couldn't get back. So looked into it. And one of the things that we read was, you know, there's a hill at the beginning, but it's okay. Just hop off your bike, walk up the hill, and then you're good the rest of the way. It's, you know, pretty much all downhill. I thought, okay, that's great. I can do that. Yeah, cool. So we did it. We went and rode bikes. We rode to this um, castle, got in some boats that took us to Lord Brandon's cottage. And from Lord Brandon's cottage, started biking the Gap of Dunwell. Now, pretty quickly early on, there's this hill. Jen rides through it. She's much better shaped than I am. Jen rides through it. I start riding, and even though I had gears, I finally had to just jump, hop off my bike and start walking up. And I'm thinking, I hope this is that hill that they were talking about <laughs> in the post. Well, in the meantime, while Jen's waiting for me, she meets some other bikers who are coming the opposite direction. And then she starts talking with them. They're taking some pictures. And they basically said something to the degree of, oh, what are you guys doing? And Jen said, we're biking the Gap of Dunlo. And they said, on normal bikes? And Jen's thought was, what kind of other bikes are there? Like, what's a not normal bike? So we kept going. And soon we realized, yes, that was not the hill. Because the hill was this switchback road that climbed, climbed, climbed up over a pass. Now, this is Ireland. It's not the Himalayas. It's not like it was the most crazy thing in the world. But let's just say I was pushing my bike for a very long time. (laughs) And I was huffing and puffing pushing my bike up this hill. Well, as we are going up this hill, you know, at one point, because it's a switchback, I look down and I see this other couple riding up the hill. And I was duly impressed that they're riding up this hill. And so we come to this point where they actually pass me. And I look over and, you know, what would you expect to see? You expect to see two people who are huffing and puffling, just pedaling with all their might. Even watch Tour de France. Those guys look tired, right? Huffing, puffing with all their might. And what I see is this couple who looks like they're on a Sunday ride through a tree-lined lane in the country, just no effort, just going. And I was sitting here <gasps> So, you know, I, my first thought was, oh, my goodness. These people are amazing. And then it suddenly hit me. They have electric bikes. <laughs> Their bikes are doing all the work. <laughs> so you see... When we showed up to the bike shop, the guy just brought out two bikes. And they were basically, they looked like beach cruisers, except that they had gears. Now, you could get mountain bikes, you could get electric bikes, but that's not something that we were really thinking about. It's not something that he even talked to us about. He just handed us two bikes. We said, okay, there we go. Well, you know, we made it up the hill. We actually really enjoyed the exercise part of it. But we certainly had to work much, much harder And all those people who were using their electric bikes. (laughs) And this is the reality of life. God actually gives us a lot of inherent power and strength to do a lot. There's a lot of things we feel like we can do under our own power because God has given us a lot of power. But the reality of it is, is that we have to push and push and push. We have to burn, strain, and really grind ourselves to do this. Whereas when we tap into the power of God, you know, we're able to take those big hills, those uh, big obstacles, the big challenges, and go through them much more like 
It's a Sunday ride through a tree-lined lane in the country. And by the power of God, we're also able to do things that we could never even begin to complete under our own power. So Jesus, knowing this, in the midst of his busyness, connected with God to receive God's power to do even the most difficult things that lay before him. The second thing that we see that Jesus do is he takes time to get away from the hustle and bustle, from the things that made him so busy. So let's look back at Mark 1, 35 through 37. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were searching for him, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Jesus got away from all the things that were making him busy, all the people who were calling for his intention. And you can see how important it was for him actually to get away, because if he had been there, they would have found him. And, you know, it's getting away doesn't really happen when people can find you. So the things that call for our attention will keep calling and calling and calling as long as we are there with them. And we'll be too distracted to really accomplish some of the things that we need to perspective is a mighty thing. Perspective is the difference between seeing a little animal and thinking it's a house cat and knowing that it's actually a mountain lion that wants to eat you. Perspective, very important thing. And often when we find perspective is when we get away from the things that we're normally doing. It's getting away from the things that we're normally giving our time to. Have you ever gone for a trip for a week or maybe even a weekend and you come back and you think, oh man, my project is going to be so different. You know, life is going to be so different. Everything's changed. And what you come back to is you realize that, yeah, barely any project, progress was made on that project. Like things are basically the same. Your house is the same. You know, your lawn didn't suddenly grow and become beautiful or die. You know, life is very much the same. And the reason I think that we think so much might have changed is because we can experience so much change in a week, in a weekend, even in a few hours away when we get away from all the things that we're normally giving our times to. It gives us really good time to get perspective and realignment. And that, you know, this is why retreats are so powerful. Because they force us to get away from our busyness of life and give us the opportunity to focus on God, to focus on what he's saying. And we can actually see Jesus doing this again and again in the in the Gospels, where he himself would get, get away, and at times when he would grab his disciples and try to get them away, because getting away has a lot of power. Getting away allows us to quiet ourselves for a moment. We don't have our work, our calendar, Facebook, Instagram, texts, news feeds, podcasts, yard work, sometimes children. You know, we don't have these things clamoring, buzzing, beeping, and ringing for our attention. And this is important because while in the Bible we do see at times that God spoke very loudly to get people's attention, we also see many times when God spoke very quietly. And if people hadn't have been really listening, they would have missed it. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. If we look in 1 Kings 19.11-13, through 13, we see God passing before Elijah and This whirlwind comes and a firestorm comes and all these big, loud things, but God isn't in any of them. But then he comes in a soft whisper. 
As we get away, we give ourselves a good opportunity to hear God and to really gain perspective on life. Finally, the last thing that we see Jesus do is that Jesus chose to focus on the great over the good. He stayed on mission. So let's look again at Mark 1. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also. That is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. Now, have you ever wondered, as you're looking at the Bible, why Jesus didn't heal everyone? You know, why it is that he would leave a place when there were still so many people calling out for him? Well, Jesus' response here gives us an indication why. Jesus was evaluating what was the best thing he could do with his limited time and was doing that. He was seeking to stay on mission. You've probably heard it said that if you do not plan your time, someone else will plan it for you. You know, marketers will plan it for you. Your friends will plan it for you. Your family will plan it for you. Whatever will plan it for you. Well, Jesus had a lot of people around him who wanted to plan his time for him. They had things they wanted him to do. But Jesus, even those things, though, the, though those things were good, Jesus was looking to do something better. Jesus was looking to do something greater than just heal everyone physically. He was looking to heal their eternal souls. Jesus was looking to tell people about the love of God. And so when Jesus accomplished what he needed to in an area, he would move on. And as we looked at in life, you know, there's so many good things that we can do in life. But there's also very important and great things. And what Jesus was doing was he was looking to accomplish those great things, even though at times that meant leaving other things unfinished. So it's an important point to note here from the example of Jesus that the answer to busyness isn't necessarily doing less. It doesn't necessarily mean that we make sure we have a bunch of free time every day to do whatever we want. Instead, it is connecting with God making sure that we are seeing life correctly and doing the right things in the right way. At that point, what we are experiencing and what we are accomplishing isn't simply busyness. It's now faithfulness. It's fruitfulness. We have to notice that Jesus actually left things on the table that were still not done because he was looking to do the most important, the things that really needed to get done. And there were still people who wanted physical healing, There were still people who wanted to talk to him, still people who wanted his help, still people who just wanted to hang out with him. But what he had to do is he had to do the best and leave the rest. Real nice saying there. Do the best, leave the rest, yeah? And we live in a time when there's more work and more opportunities than we can ever accomplish in a single day. You know, if you, you know, finish and send out all your emails, all you're going to do is get more emails because people are going to know you can email. So... You know, in college, there's way too many fun things that you can do. There's so much calling for our attention, and we cannot possibly do even a small portion of all of it. We therefore must choose carefully what we give our time to. And Jesus was very clearly busy in his life with so many people that wanted to be around him, but he was never crushed by it. Jesus wasn't anxious, he wasn't frantic, but instead he did all he needed to do and all he intended to do. So if we will only connect with God 
and work to make sure that we are seeing life correctly, getting time away to really gain perspective. If we'll wait, work to do the right things in the right way and make sure that we're going after the best things in life, we will be able to overcome busyness and really find faithfulness and find fruitfulness. So if the band could go ahead and come back up, I'm going to finish this out with our next steps here. And the next steps are just a way to begin applying some of the things that you might have heard. If, if something came to mind as something that you'd like to apply, I really encourage you to do that. Here are three suggestions of ways that you could potentially look at um, trying to get over some of the busyness that we face in our lives. First of all, spend 10 minutes reading the Bible and praying four days this week. So it's really taking time to connect with God. Ask God for wisdom in what you should do to be faithful and fruitful and not just busy. Next thing you could do is you can calendar a date when you spend four hours, maybe even a full day away from your phone and away from the things that cause you to be busy. So getting some time away. And use this time to connect with God and evaluate the things that you're giving your time to. And finally, you can make a list of your roles and responsibilities in life and compare that against what is making you so busy. So you can begin to evaluate, what am I doing? Is it the best or is it even just good? I'm going to go ahead and pray for us and then we'll continue worshiping this morning. God, we just thank you for the example that you are. We thank you that you want more for us than just having lives where we're doing, but you want lives that are fruitful, that are joyful, and that are wonderful, God. So I pray that we would just put aside trying to live on our own strength, trying to figure out on our own, that we would really just connect with you and that we would find the real value in that. May you just change our hearts and give us truly fruitful and wonderful lives. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.